Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Campus, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Cairns, and I'm your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers who make our favorite beers and breweries come to life. How's everybody doing today? As you might be able to tell, I'm a little under the weather, so my voice sounds even deeper and raspier than usual. This is not an effect. This is not a setting. This is just called being on the road for a week and the road kicking your ass. I'm really excited this week's episode featuring Caitlin Myers. We came to learn of Caitlin through the work that she does with Triple Crossing in Richmond, Virginia. They have a few facilities now and just really doing some great things. The beer is exceptional and it's really just a good opportunity to talk about the past year, talk about UX design, file conventions, ABBA, life. It was just really a, a nice experience, really enjoyable conversation, very laid back. Two folks, you know, literally and figuratively geeking out and just had a really nice conversation. You can follow along, you know, with Caitlin's work via her website. You can also check her out on Instagram, CaitlinMayers.com. Uh, That's C-A-I-T-L-Y-N-M-A-R-E-S. So it's really easy to do and find that out at the .com. Triple Crossing is the beer. TripleCrossing.com is the website. My name is AJ Kierens. All those things have not changed. You're listening to 16 Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. And so, one of the you know, we're, we're, this past week we're in San Diego for a family wedding and had the wonderful opportunity to kind of you know do a little beer bar food hopping. You know, had some exceptional you know had some great food, met some awesome people. The wedding was the you know Japanese beer garden in Balboa Park, and it was just uh, it was just a, a lovely and beautiful evening, and it was a lot of fun because it was one of the first it was the first wedding I really ever been to where I was kind of you know I was the plus one. You know, it was my wife's cousin who I had never met before. I knew only about five people, and I, I loved it. So we had a great time, but you know just a quick you know plug to everybody at Modern Times, great you know great place to be. We visited there. You know, uh, Bottlecraft down in Little Italy was, you know, wonderful beer selection, wonderful people. Also visited uh, Toronado, which is a killer beer bar. If you, you know, we can all talk about the hazies, you know, whatever. But, you know, the OG itself is Piney the Elder West Coast IPA. And they had those on tap for five bucks a pint. And if you're you're anywhere in the world and have that and you're turning it down, you're doing something wrong. Also checked out some up-and-comers thanks to... uh, Chris Jacobs, Beer Zombie, yeah, Pure Project. Uh, you know, they're a small brewery out there, and they're doing really great stuff. Um, it was just a, a lot of fun to to see different kind of you know points in the in the game for for folks out there, and everyone was having a you know good time. So we really enjoyed that. And then probably one of the kind of bigger geek out moments got to go to the uh, Al Smith Brewing House, but they have the Anvil and Stave. Uh, just kind of speakeasy there. It was just a abundance of speedway stouts and i'm just uh you know i love i love the speedways they're one of my probably favorite beers or lines of beers out there today so that was just a great experience and the staff there was killer pulled out some specialties just because we were you know talking for so long and getting it on and enjoying ourselves you know i pulled out of a 2017 velvet speedway i'm not one to, to fanboy over different you know 
rarities or what have you, but just because we were talking so much about Jamaica Blue and you know, we're being a Jamaica being where I went for my honeymoon and we got engaged and how much you know I, I seek that out because it's got special memories. So they were super cool to hook that up and then night capped it at, at McKellar. So it was just uh, it was a wonderful time. Like I said, I feel like uh, I feel like shit right now, but you know the show must go on and that's what we're here for. So just wanted to you know thank everybody out there in Cali for the wonderful experience. Then we're a few days in in Arizona. And uh, all in all, it was just a it was a good, good trip, but uh, recovering. But it's good to be home with the squad and get things going. So we apologize for delaying getting this one live this week. But uh, yesterday I couldn't even speak, so this was kind of uh, for the for the greater good. But with that said, we're gonna get right into it. You're listening to the 16 ounce canvas. One six oz canvas dot com is the website. Tic tac toe hashtag pound sign. Whoever it is that you do it, keep doing it. Keep doing you. 16OZ Canvas, that's the tag, and we, we look forward to it, and we look forward to, to meeting it. Also, huge thanks to Tyler and the crew over at Home Brewing. I uh, will be uh, missed if I didn't say you know, thanks for the experience over there. Also, Tyler will be on in a, in a few weeks for an upcoming episode, so that was cool to get to, to meet in person and kind of check out the, the setup there as well. So it's, uh, it's always a lot of fun when you get to go out to the other coast, but... There was no haze, there was no juice, it was all West Coast IPAs and they were done right, nice and piney and kind of, you know, reminded me why I got started. So, with that said, let's get into it. Here it is, episode number 50, oop, not 50, 83, Jesus, 53, that was like, that was months ago, but Ochenta y Trace, featuring the one and only, the talented Caitlin Mayers, who's been doing the, the labels and design work with... Uh, the great team over at Triple Crossing for the last year and some great labels that we're going to talk about right now. So here it is. Enjoy, folks. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Really excited to have with us today Caitlin Mayers, joining us down from RVA, Richmond, Virginia. We've learned of Caitlin through the work that she's doing with Triple Crossing Beer, and just wanted to uh, thank you, Caitlin, for, for making the time to join us today. Thanks for having me. No, no, thank you. So, yes. So, really, like I said, excited to have you. We spoke, uh, I think we probably connected about, I want to say like three months ago when you first uh, took over the reins there. And so, it's been really nice uh, for me personally, the experience just to kind of, you know, follow along. I love the, the new direction you've taken things. They're really vivid, you know, full of colors and energy, even the the photography. I don't know how much you're involved with that, but just really kind of, You've really you know, brought the the labels and you know triple crossing to life, so it's it's exciting to get to talk to you today. Thanks. I'm really really uh, thrilled with the work that we've been able to do, especially since I've kind of taken over the design direction of the triple crossing brand. Yeah, I think it's uh you it's you can really see that you put your own stamp on it, which is always you know it's uh, in a hyper competitive space like that. I mean, even even just down in Virginia, you know, it's super competitive. So just to see. See you doing something that that stands out on its own is really it's really nice to see. And so, uh, real quick for folks at home, uh, Caitlin Mayers on Instagram. That's with a C C A I T L Y N M A Y E R S, and then CaitlinMayers.com. And we also learned you can go to Cyanide and Magenta.com. So it's kind of the the yin and yang of Caitlin. You know, so that's always it's cool to see, and it's really nice. There's a you know. 
nice stories in your portfolio. Um, as somebody who used to be a former designer and developer, tab versus spaces is, is cool. So yeah, check that out. And, uh, what side, what side do you take on that? Do you take, if you, have you taken a side? I, I couldn't tell from the, from the story. I always take a side. If there's one thing I'm known for, it's having uh, an opinion on just about everything. Uh, I am firmly in team tabs with the caveat that I understand that some languages require spaces, but if you use a development environment where you can configure the tab key to equal whatever number of spaces you need, that is what I'm a fan of. I like that. That's like even that's like a that's like a different shirt. That's like tabs to become spaces and be, yeah. That that's a that's a very yeah. I'm a big fan of the customization, you know, of things of that nature. Yeah. I if I could, I would just use the I would just use my keyboard if I didn't have to use a mouse. But you know, I, I prefer. I'm a big shortcut fan. Yeah, I've I've done a lot of keyboard only uh, use of websites specifically. One of the things that I do in my day job is uh, web accessibility. So I've gotten really familiar with keyboard only navigation and it is delightful if it is done right. Well, yeah. Terrifying if it is not. Yeah. That was the hardest part for me. I mean, when I went from PC to Mac, like I was a, I was a PC guy for a lot, you know, and I used to work in it and I could do so much without ever having to touch my mouse. And I got the Mac and it was just like, my, my wrists and my fingers were had to go these new directions. And so, but I've, I've gotten, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm as, uh, I'm still as optimized as I was back in, back in the day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely, uh, I am a fellow, fellow, uh, I guess, I don't know. I don't, I feel like saying nerd is a, is a cheap shot. I don't know. It's like a negative, but I'm pretty nerdy. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm a proud nerd. So I don't know. I, I tend to, yeah, ramble. I think we're at the point where, nerds can kind of just rule the earth i think hopefully in a good way not a bad way right 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 and like no like evil takeover just kind of like you know making the world a better place so i'm, I'm with you on that exactly cool so that yeah what another thing if you go to caitlin's website which is really cool is you kind of see the the diversity of your portfolio you know website design branding you know, you're doing the ux and it's just really you know it's really nice to see and as I like to say, with any with any person who's busy designing all the time, and especially having multiple jobs, you know, the website never gets updated as it should. And I, I applaud that. I, I hate when people's websites are updated like that week or weekly. So keep doing it. Yeah. So before I, I like to caveat that before you say, "Oh, I haven't updated in a while." Yeah, I, I don't expect that. You're super busy. Yeah, I. Uh, it seems like what's that adage about the cobbler's kids being the last to get the shoes? Right. Seems like I only update my site when I'm looking for a job. <laughs> right. So if, you, if your employer notices, like, oh wait, Caitlin just updated her site this month. It's like, oh, she's unhappy. <laughs> she going. Yeah. Right. Peace. So yeah. So let's. Um. This is this is the part of the show where you know you get to talk about yourself. It's a little self-serving, but I think it's awesome. I just kick back and you know drink my coffee. But kind of what's the what's the Caitlin story? How did you get well, into design and how did you get started? I, I kind of lucked into design. When I was a kid, I went to a small private school and they had this dumb logo contest for the, the PE uniforms. And I drew something that was an obviously terrible logo, but I was one of like three people who actually submitted an entry. So I won. And then I, you know, went on to high school and my mom was a dentist and I worked for her as a dental assistant. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go be a dentist. And I got to college and I was like, shit, science is hard. So 
I thought, hey, I won that one logo contest back in the day. Uh, I should try majoring in design instead. So I told myself if I did well in the weed amount design course, I'd stick with it. And I had the worst professor. He was such a jerk. He would tear your work up and throw it away. I mean, he's like the embodiment of everything that you hear about bad professors in art school. This guy was it. He would write, you're fired on the back of work if he didn't like it and thought that it wasn't good enough for you to keep a job kind of deal. Um, but I ended up really loving the the classes that I was taking despite that guy and ended up getting a degree in print design of all things. And uh, when I was in, I'm trying to think, I started school in 2007 and the iPhone was released shortly thereafter. And when the iPhone, the first iPhone was released, I realized that, you know, digital was going to be a big deal. And I'd always wanted, you know, in my career, I was like, I want to work in advertising. I really love branding. I want to do all that stuff. And I ended up, you know, working at uh, a brand, a really small branding and advertising agency here in Richmond locally. You know, we were just like four people. We were, you know, working like crazy and just having fun, working hard, playing hard. And I wanted to do more digital than uh, we were doing at the time. And, you know, this was again, you know, like five or six years ago or so. And so I ended up kind of bouncing around and going, ended up at a web development and design shop where I also did front end development. Um, uh, one of the things that I am a firm believer in is really understanding your medium. You'll, you know, a lot of people in the industry are talking, you know, should designers learn to code and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, not necessarily, but when did we as designers decide it wasn't okay to learn about how inks work or color works, you know, color spaces and that kind of thing. And so I just felt like it was important for me to understand, you know, kind of how to build the websites I was designing so that I could be a better designer, but also be a better you know, collaborator with the developers. So I, I work now as a, I think my fancy job title is a interaction design manager at CapTech Consulting here in Richmond. We're a large consulting firm. And um, I do kind of the gamut of design stuff uh, for them. And then basically in my spare time, when I'm not working at work or renovating my dumb house, um, I'm doing triple crossing work. That's awesome. So yeah, you're definitely, uh, you're the first uh, dental assistant in do design that we've, uh, we've had so far. So <laughs> we've, awesome. yeah, we've had some, we've had some unique ones. So definitely, but uh, we've had some um, car salesman. We had, that was one we had uh, architect. That was good. Yeah, we've had some we've had some good ones, but you're the first uh, dental assistant, so there you go. Yeah. So, what do you, what do you, what do you, um, do you like? What kind of what programs do you work in in UX design? Really? Well, it seems like there's a, a new tool every day that we're trying to learn how to use. But our regular stack, you know, for what we do is a lot of work in sketch. It's just optimized for interface and component-based design. And so we use that all the time for the UI portion. And then we use Zeppelin a lot as our uh, liaison tool for giving the developers the designs that we're working on. And then for UX, um, I'm actually, I've just been playing around with the new Axure 9 beta and it's been really, really great. You know, in the prototyping world, at least to me, it seems like you can do a lot of 
kind of smoke and mirrors prototyping in that it looks like it's supposed to, but it doesn't actually work. You know, you can't search for something in an Envision prototype. If you're, you know, building a, say you wanted to clone Google, you couldn't actually make it searchable and return results. But with Axure, you can actually basically write a little bit of JavaScript. To, you know, they have, they've, they've made it so you don't actually have to script anything. But you can effectively build dynamic prototypes that show different things and do different things based on user input of, you know, actual pieces of data. So I use, use that a lot for any of kind of the wireframing or prototyping that I do that, you know, conveys interactions, how something works, but at a, at a level of fidelity that isn't, you know, like development ready or fully polished in my opinion. So, you know, those are, you know, Axure and, uh, and Sketch and Zeppelin are kind of my three main tools that I'm using on a regular basis for, you know, my day job. Okay. Now, so you, you did, um, you mentioned Triple Crossing. So what's, you know, how did that, how did that kind of, how did you come to team up with them? If folks don't know who they are, uh, triplecrossing.com, they're a great brewery out in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia, down there in the, the Triangle, as they call it. Yeah, so I was actually a fan of Triple Crossing's beer before I even became connected with them uh, personally. I love craft beer. Uh, I'm also a huge whiskey drinker. So I was, you know, interested in the scene and I've kind of always wanted to work on some form of alcohol brand. And, you know, I, honestly, I'd be fine doing a whiskey, but craft beer is just fine right now. Um, one of my coworkers is actually married to one of the co-founders of Triple Crossing, uh, Scott Jones. His wife, Kim, and I work together and she's a designer on, on my team. And we were, we were working on a project together and she was sitting there and I think Scott had texted her a, a photo of one of the logos that they were working on for the proximity project, uh, which is their, you know, kind of wild fermentation, spontaneous fermentation ales that they've been doing recently. Uh, I believe since they opened Fulton, they've been doing a lot more spontaneous fermentation projects. Um, but she, and she doesn't do, uh, any any work for them um she's you know kind of close to the situation you know it's kind of tough when you're you know i like i don't do any uh design work with my husband who's an ios developer you know it's just too close um but at any rate she and i were sitting there talking and we were looking at one of the logos that uh was they were they were working on for that series and you know, one of the one of the first things that they taught us in design school was that any anything that you were designing had to pass the genitalia test. If it looks like a penis, you can't make it. And unfortunately, the logo that that she was looking at looked kind of like a penis. So I was like, well, why don't you do this thing? It looks like a sine wave. You know, proximity, something, something, math. It looks pretty cool. And so I just drew it on an expo board, and she snapped a photo of it and sent it to Scott in that was what they ended up taking and modifying. And they were in the process of trying to figure out, uh, they, they wanted to evolve their brand. You know, they wanted to kind of move beyond the logo that they launched with. And, and, you know, understandably, everybody at some point is like, man, I really, you know, whether you feel like you really need it or not, sometimes you just want, you know, a new brand. And I, I thought they needed it too, but they were really in in the process of trying to, figure out a new concept and what they had 
been looking at and working with just wasn't really wasn't really working for them. So I, I, I was like, hey, why don't you let me do a new logo for you? And they were like, all right. And so that's how it began. That's pretty awesome. Now, how did you how did you come up with the uh, the new logo? So this is actually a pretty good story. When Triple Crossing was started, they're actually named after the Triple Crossing Railroad intersection in Richmond. It is the only rail intersection that has three rails that cross each other at different elevations, and so their whole, you know, their name, their their original logo, um, uh, you know, they they used some railroad references at some point. And when I you know, sat down to to kind of get my bearings on what they were looking for and you know what their brand stood for and what they wanted, I was like, all right, guys, what do you you know any any imagery or any kind of visuals? What, you know, what should I stay away from? And they're like railroads, and I just kind of was like. You guys are named after a railroad. So I, you know, design is all about uh, the constraints that you're working under. And so I was like, all right, challenge accepted. So I started doing a bunch of drawings and, you know, sketches. And I, I actually just got an iPad Pro at that time. So I started sketching on that. And one of, you know, there were a handful of marks that I really enjoyed, but the one that we ended up going with was uh, one of my favorites, but we, I, I played a lot with the negative space in, in the market itself. Uh, I am all about kind of hidden meanings and visual representations in the work that I do. You know, I feel like one of my favorite logos is the FedEx logo with that arrow that's hidden in between the E and the X. So it's those kinds of things that I really try to find and create in, in the work that I do, especially the branding work that I do. And so I just kind of started sketching with figuring out ways to incorporate three X's together because that's, you know, a literal translation of triple crossing. And I, I ended up creating this this triangle mark that if you look in the the negative space of the logo, there are actually three X's that form one at each point on a triangle. And uh, I kind of broke some rules that I learned in, in school in that, you know, logo, like you gotta, gotta make sure that it reduces well and that it holds it in, its integrity at really small sizes. And honestly, this logo kind of starts to break down a bit when you get it really small, just because it's got such tight margins and such thin lightweight uh, line weight. And I kind of like that. It it gets this kind of 3D quality to it, and it just becomes this more solid triangle as you as you break it down. But you know, we we started we reviewed some icons, and this was the one that everybody was just kind of an instant fan of. And then we we started playing with some typography options. I originally wanted to use um, Franklin Gothic or Benton Sands, you know, something. Uh, by by Morris Fuller Benton. I don't know why I was drawn to it, but I was at the time. But then we ended up settling on an active grotesque as kind of their main typeface. And I'm kind of glad we ended up going with that because it's super versatile and it's really allowed me to play a lot with the the type on the, the different things that we've done, even though I've been really consistent in the label designs that I've done so far. But 
you know, kind of now that I've got a, a really good, uh, I think, design language and pattern kind of established for them, um, I'm now trying to figure out, okay, now how do I break these rules that I have established? Because at some point, you got to break the rules that you made. I mean, that's why you made them, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a rule breaker. I'm with you. Now, now I, yeah, I, I agree. I think the the labels, I, they have a, I was, that's, you've already answered a couple of my questions. I was asking about the font face, so it's good to know that. But I just think that's really interesting is, you know, they're just really, yeah, they're really clean. The, the That font is, like you said, it's really, I think it's a really versatile font, and I and it, it has a, just yeah it's i really like what you've you've done with it it just it's um it's a new direction and with that now we yeah, i asked you if that was okay to ask about but just kind of like the previous like it's a very i, I like the fact that you took over and, and you went in a completely new direction than the previous labels i would i hate when like someone's trying to basically you know hack up somebody else's previous work so how is that for you you know working on some of these, which were, were predefined, or were you just kind of you kind of just took over as like a rebrand, and you just kind of went all in, which I which is what I assume. But I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, you know, I started out and I just did the logo, and then they were like, "Hey, you want to do some cans?" And I was like, "Yeah, I want to do some cans." And I, you know, I, I played with a couple of you know mock-ups of things when I was doing. You know, whenever I do a logo, I always kind of you know mock up any kind of materials that I feel like would be relevant to the company so that they can get an idea of kind of how their brand will, will look and feel and live and breathe once it's, you know, on all of the things that it needs to be on. And so I had already started playing with some of some can layouts at that point. Um, but I, I did a couple of cans and, you know, they actually release, uh, I, I guess I just didn't really pay attention to this much, but there is a lot of beer being released on any given day in Richmond. And I know that you know, Richmond is a huge craft beer town now, which is awesome. Um, but it's just kind of crazy how much work you do when you do labels for a brewery like Triple Crossing. And I mean, even now I do a lot of the label designs for them, but I don't do all of the label designs for them. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, selfishly I'd love to do every single label, but, also you know not my day job so i think it's kind of cool that they work with different artists around town um you know they just did a partnership with one of the, one of the agencies in town called hue and cry on one of their cans that they're releasing this friday and it looks awesome and it's totally different and you know the than any of the work that i've done recently and you know the branding person in me goes oh my god it's not consistent oh i can't handle it but also it looks awesome so i'm super stoked about that but, um, is that the signature yeah. move one, right? I was, yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, signature move. Near yeah. your point, I was like, that looks nothing like the other ones. I'm like, what is up with that? Yeah, I mean, it's not consistent, but it still looks good. I wish, you know, the like, and that's part of the reason why so many, yeah, I've stuck to a somewhat formulaic approach with, with the labels now. You know, it's a new brand. I, I wanted I wanted all the designs to feel consistent and I really wanted them to be, you know, because I've been using such strong photographic elements behind the type that are really quite different in a lot of situations. I wanted the type and the logo to be kind of visual cues that are instantly recognizable to say, hey, that's a triple crossing can, regardless of whatever craziness I have going on in the background. Um you know, some of the challenges with, with 
going into a brewery like Triple Crossing, who has such a wonderful fan base. I love all of the people that I've met that are like, yeah, we're huge fans of Triple Crossing. And they're like in the Triple Crossing, under the Crossing Facebook group. And they're always talking about stuff. Um, But one of the challenges with that is there is such an affection for some of the previously done work, you know, and I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think a lot of the work that they had had done previously was awesome in its own right. I just, you know, it didn't really jive with the the new brand and the direction that we've been taking it, you know, specifically, uh, you know, Falcon Smash IPA, their flagship IPA, you know, kind of the the beer that built them in a sense. Um, That beer was, that, that can art I loved. And when they asked me to update the label for that one, I was like, if um, it's going to be a big challenge, you know, cause it's such, it's such an important beer and I really liked the label and I wanted to stay as true as I could to the original design. And I kept trying to make it work and trying to make it work and trying to make it work. And it just, it, it didn't hold up. And so I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta stop doing this. I gotta go a new direction. And so I was like, all right, what's the inspiration behind this label? You know, Falcon smash, super smash brothers, captain Falcon. He has this, uh, I, I, uh, do not play this video game nor am I very familiar with it. So I'm going to say something wrong and someone's probably going to get angry with me, but he's got the Falcon punch as the, one of his signature moves in the Smash Brothers. And then Smash Beer, which I'm not sure if Falcon Smash IPA is actually a Smash Beer, but it's a single malt, single hop, It's a, it, that, which is another kind of reference to a, a, a beer type. So they, they made this hybrid of Falcon Punch and a Smash Beer and called it Falcon Smash. And I was like, all right, Flaming Falcon, Captain Falcon does this awesome move. And so I spent hours compositing that. I, you know, I illustrated the Falcon uh, just quickly to get the rough outline of what I was looking for. And then I was compositing this, this photo of fire that I found and made that flaming Falcon. It took me, uh, it took me longer than I should admit to. Um, I just, you know, I'm rusty doing that kind of, that level of compositing. I really haven't done that since I was in an agency that did, agency work, not, you know, web work. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like I, I do my best to stay true to the original where I can, if it makes sense and fits within the new brand. And if I can't, and I have to deviate, then it just has to be awesome. And then people will be like, cool. Cool. I agree. Now, do you take those photographs the, that are used as the label foundation, like that fire? And I think the most popular ones that we're seeing is the the waxing poetic series. I mean, I think with with the, I guess the smoke bombs or the color smoke bombs uh, being used. Yeah. yeah. I wish. Uh, I don't have the time to do that. Um, but Come on, Caitlin. The- get it together. <laughs> Nor do I have the photography skills, if I'm being honest. Um, but with waxing specifically, uh, we, we knew pretty quickly what we wanted to do. A lot of the times our process is, um, pretty, pretty simple. They're like, Hey, we need this beer. 
can you do it by this date? I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. And then I have to kind of ask them, all right, so why did you name it what you named it? What's in it? You know, kind of trying to figure out how to start to begin, you know, designing something for it. And I, I don't, I don't know if it's just me or if this is typical of most designers, but I feel like I have to be very strongly grounded in the reason behind why something has been named what it is or what's it inspired by in order for me to start getting some ideas as to how to visually represent it. I, I mean, I feel, I feel very strongly that the work that I do should be representative of the thought that went into it to, to, to make it, to, to bring it to fruition. And so I feel like my purpose is to translate that into something that is, you know, visually stunning in, in this case, you know, or looks appealing or like you want to pound a couple of them. Um, or, you know, when it comes to like web work, it's actually something that you can use and enjoy using. Um, but with waxing, I usually will go in and get some stock photos of this is actually uh, something I don't I don't know how it popped on my radar, but it popped on my radar a few years ago. It's photos of acrylic ink and water. So I'll go and I'll grab some stock photos. And then depending on the fruit that's in the version of waxing, I will recolor the acrylic ink to match the fruits, you know, as closely as possible that are in the beer itself. And, you know, what I really like about the waxing is that I don't know why it just, I get this visual image of this beer being brewed and then you take this fruit puree or whatever it is that you pour into this beer. I feel like I should know, but I, I don't know the answer to how the waxing is made, but I just, I get this really strong visual of them pouring this fruit into this beer in that moment that, you know, the fruit first hits the beer and you get that you know, the, the fruit hasn't emulsified into the beer yet. It's still that kind of oil and water. They're still separate. And that process of the fruit being poured in was just a really, really strong visual for, for me when I thought about what this beer was and with the addition that I could actually have the color of the label reflect the fruit in it as well. I was like, yeah, I'm all in on that. I like that. Those beers look damn good. So if, uh, Trevor Crossan wants to send some beers. We would love to try some of those waxing poetics. Just saying. Um, yeah. I really I really like it. They really stand out to me. And I think whoever the photographer is that tries to bring your vision to life, you know, showing that, I think it's just been really complimentary because it's cool to know that that's their, you know, acrylics that way. And I have a few sites like that that you find some really cool stock photography and, you know, you try to use it. I think one of them I like is uh, Pexels.com is a good one. I use that one a lot. It's a lot of royalty-free stuff. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, I have the ability and the time, you know, some of, some of the labels that I do are kind of like down and dirty in that they, they're like, Hey, we need this label. You have a couple of days. Can you do it? And I'm always like, yeah, I want to do it. But also, you know, I'm up pretty late at night working on some of this stuff and I do it because I love it. But uh, sometimes I have a little bit more lead time on when I can design the labels. And so like with Nectar and Knife, um, I made the hexagon pattern texture behind the type and colored every one of those hexagons 
individually so that no one hexagon was the same color as the one next to it up to a certain point. And then I started blending them in the middle. And you know, sometimes I really, I can just sit there and spend the time to do some of that illustration work that I want to do. But most of the time it's, I have an idea. I know I want to do it. And I don't really have the, the time or the, the skills to, to take the, the photos that I know I need to use. So I just go and grab some stock photos and turn it into whatever I need it to be. Yeah. I like, I love that attention to detail. I mean, I think that, you know, I think that's one of the great things and also one of the unfortunate things about the labels, you know, not yours, just labels in general is sometimes folks don't appreciate all the hard work that goes into it, but just that level of detail. I like to, you know, that's why we, that's kind of why, why, why we do what we do, but just that, that folks here have that, we always like to call your fridge like a mini art show, you know, and so you open it up and you see all the hard work that went into it. And then people throw your art away. And then it's like, yeah, that's always, that's always the crazy part about it. Yeah. I actually have uh, all of the, yeah, I have all of the cans that I've designed uh, on my mantle as it stands right now because I don't really know what else to do with it. Are they full? Or do you do like a pinhole and drain them out and then just keep the can? Oh, no, I drank every one of them. Nice. Yeah, we, we some of our, yeah, some of our guests have done, we see that this and it's like their personal library. And then some of our, some of our listeners, they do that too. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Uh, they, they show me, uh, one of our listeners, uh, we'll give a shout out to, to Joe Kennedy in Queens, Queens beer guy. He, he has a, he sent us a picture of his kind of, uh, his secret stash. It's like his, I want to say, and I apologize, Joe, I think it's his laundry room that he's like converted. Like he has like these shelves that go all along the ceiling and it's pretty epic. So I think it's really, it's really a fun time. Yeah. And the folks I've seen other people take labels and make them into coasters. So yeah, it's, uh, it's really nice to level of, uh, of appreciation that folks are having. So that's got to be Yeah. I mean, there's such a rich and vibrant community around craft beer. Uh, I, I mean, I knew that People loved beer as, as I was one of them, but, you know, I wasn't really as immersed in it as I am now. And truly, the people that I have met that, you know, I love the people at Triple Crossing, uh, the owners and all of the, all of the staff, they are awesome people. And it's really been a privilege to work with them. But, you know, the people that I've met at the different, you know, festivals and stuff that they've held or just at random events around town. Uh, they're awesome. You know, the I, I love the the vibrance of the community, and I love how much they care and how invested they are. And it's it's kind of funny in some ways to see people you know who comment on our, online. They're like, I like the old label better. And I'm like, cool story, bro. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that positivity. Yeah, it's like nice to meet you. Yeah, I mean, you know, not everybody's gonna like everything that you do, and. You know, ultimately, that's kind of not the point of of designing things. You know, I don't design things to, for people to like them in some sense. I mean, you know, like the web work that I do, I design things so that people can use them, not so they sit there and they go, I like that button. Yeah, that must be um, interesting but, you know, for you. Because you're, yeah, because your main focus is like, is not necessarily, yeah, is the fact that it's functional. And so, yeah, that's a that's a dichotomy that's very interesting. Yeah, and you know that's I think one of the reasons why I love the the design side of things that I get to do through working on all these labels and you know some of the merchandise and other things you know for for the brewery is that I really get to kind of flex different muscles on 
these projects than I do in my day job. And you know, I don't really take on that much freelance just because I, I believe that kind of, you know, downtime is just as important as uptime. And it's kind of hard when you're burning at both ends, at least for me, to feel like I'm I'm doing good work all of the time and consistently. And so I just try not to take much freelance work, but the work that I do take, I make sure that it's something that I am excited about that allows me to kind of keep my skills sharp that I don't use on a regular basis. And, and the work that I do with triple crossing kind of hits all of those marks for me. So it's, it's, it's been awesome to be able to work. I mean, we're, sheesh it's almost been a year that i've been doing work for them now it's just crazy how much how quickly time flies that's awesome and we are back you're listening to episode number 83 ochenta y trace featuring the extremely talented designer caitlin mayers it's a good story, right? I'm enjoying it. Really easy to talk to, very laid back guest, you know, really introspective. Love getting insight into the process and you know, the story of working with Triple Crossing, how they came to be. And it was cool because this is the first time that we've had, you know, worked. It's a, I guess it's a testament to how long we've been doing it, but this is the first time that we've had kind of a, another designer from the same brewery. For a rebrand, now we, I know we've done, you know, Alchemist with Jess and, and Dan and some other f- folks at Pipeworks, but this is kind of interesting, and I really appreciate that. You know, Caitlin was cool with us, you know, discussing that and you know having that conversation. So it's really nice to see. I really like the the new logo. It goes in line with the, the new style they're doing down there, and just really uh, was a nice opportunity to get a chance to speak to her. You're listening to 16 Ounce Canvas, episode number 83, Caitlin Mayers, caitlinmayers.com, or Caitlin Mayers on the gram of Insta on IG. So I want to also correct in the, in the opening segment, it's not the Japanese beer garden, it's the Japanese friendship garden in Balboa Park. I think I just had a beer on my mind. And so fun. If you're heading out to San Diego, I know it's kind of... Uh, I don't know. I think people have different opinions on it. These motorized scooters, Lime, Bird. I think there's Razor has them now. They're fucking awesome. It was like being a kid again, being able to whip down the streets and they go up to 20 miles an hour and they're super cheap. You know, they're just uh, an app on your phone. It reads the QR code and you pay by like the minute. You know, I think it's like 10 cents a minute or something like that. So that was my uh, reliving my childhood moment, but there was nothing really like that when I was a kid. Otherwise, I probably have a lot more broken bones than I did. But was geeking out on that. It was a lot of fun. Big thanks to uh, to Zach for the recommendation there. It was pretty great. So this is episode number 83. We are in the heart of season number eight, and this couldn't be more proud. So we want to thank everybody for doing their part, recommending folks. We have some really cool stuff that we're working on. We'll be announcing soon. And uh, apologies for the delay. We should have Heidi on next week, so we'll make that happen. Kind of find out what's going on with her. That's Heidi Geist of the 48 Beer Project. Find out where in the hell she is. It's kind of fun to, to follow along and see where she's popping up, so we'll make sure we get that for you. And uh, looking forward to having a new piece of the, the project on our side to, to share with you because she's doing wonderful things and working her ass off. So we love that. 
So let's just get right back into it. Uh, like I said, this is not the uh, best version of myself, so I apologize for that. But maybe you like this voice. Maybe maybe it's cool. Maybe it's my cool radio voice. <clears throat> Don't do that again. It's harder. Hard to breathe, but yes, you're listening to the 16-ounce canvas. All canvases, all the time. 16OZ Canvas on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and 16OZCanvas.com. So let's try it right here. We'll, we'll do it in other points, but if you have a chance to, head on over to iTunes or wherever it is you podcast and uh, rate us, leave a review. If you're looking to sponsor the show, we'd love to hear from you. That would be great. You know, all this... Oh yeah, you know, all this high end stuff we have here, you know, we can definitely uh we definitely appreciate to have some sponsors, but we will be selective, so we'll see what happens with that. But let's get right back into it. Here's part two, Caitlin Mayers, right here, sixteen ounce canvas, art of craft beer. That's what we do. Now how does it work? What's your you know, you said about sometimes you the rush and whatever. What's the what's the process like? How you know, you know, when you find out you have a new label and when you decide if you're going to work on it and, you know, how long you have kind of, you know, in your, your, your give me this little, you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, of the process, you know, trust the process. So I'm just curious what your process is like and how do you got to team up with them? Sure. So it, honestly, it's not, it's not consistent, which is fine. Uh, you know, for the most part, I have a couple of weeks to work on a label. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, Adam, one of the one of the co-founders will will text me and he'll be like, "Hey, I got this other label to do. I need it in two weeks." And I'm like, "Okay, done." So then I'll send him a follow-up email and ask him a bunch of questions about the beer. And yeah, you know, I I think it's fairly obvious to anybody who follows Triple Crossing on a regular basis that they're pretty pretty big nerds, which is delightful. And so a lot of the, the naming behind their beers is some sort of reference to, you know, like Falcon Smash, you know, some sort of reference to uh, something nerdy. Um, but one of the one of the things that I've learned in, in working with them is that Adam is also a huge music fan. Um, and a lot of the, the label names that they come up with are derivatives of some of the albums or bands that he likes, um, for example. Division Order is one that's dropping this Friday. Again, uh, at least the new label is dropping for the first time this Friday. And it was inspired by Joy Division and New Order, which I, again, don't know that much about this history, but you know, Joy Division formed. They didn't release much music, but they did release uh, Unknown Pleasures, which is fantastic. And then they they broke up for whatever reason, I'm not sure, and then they formed New Order. And so... That beer was named Division Order, kind of after that whole chain of events surrounding that beer. Um, there, they did Bright Lights, which was after Interpol, Turn on the Bright Lights. Um, Night Call, which was inspired by uh, the work that I did on their Can Jam posters. So they named that after the Kandinsky song in Drive, um, Night Call, which is the song in the opening title sequence. So a lot of movie references, like The Proposition, for example, which is a Western uh, Australian Western, which is apparently its own genre. I, I hate Westerns just in general. And uh, it was a terrible movie to watch. I love all of the people in that movie. Guy Pierce. I love him. I hated that movie. Um, so, you know, a lot of times they'll say, Hey, but like with the proposition, Adam was like, all right, 
we need the proposition. It's hopped with this. These are its specs. And I'm like, all right, so what's it named after? He's like, it's named after this movie. And I'm like, all right, I guess I got to watch it. So, you know, I watched the proposition over the weekend and I was like, I hated that movie. And then, you know, I came up with like 15 different options for what we could do just conceptually. And then I said, all right, let's turn half of these into like a mock-up. And so I'll, I do kind of down and dirty since timeline, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time and sometimes the timelines are tight. So I'm literally just taking screenshots of everything that I'm doing kind of in real time and sending it to Adam and saying, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And, you know, for the most part, we are able to settle on something pretty quickly. Um, I've, I've had a few labels where they're like, we hate this. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm terrible at what I do. Uh, but you know, that happens, right? And so it's like, all right, let's go back to the drawing board. And honestly, honestly, more often than not, they are right when they're like, this isn't it. And I'm like, but I love it. And they're like, no, this isn't it. And I'm like, all right, fine. So then we'll go back to the drawing board. And what we end up coming up with at, you know, round two, round three, et cetera, is often way better than the first thing that I showed them and loved. So, you know, as much as we hate to get you know, feedback like that from a client to just say, oh, this is terrible. Uh, this is not what we were looking for. But, you know, it often leads to that kind of better product in the end, the trial by fire kind of deal. Yeah, and I think that's one of the harder parts. I think that, you know, we talk about it from time to time on here is the comfort level, being able to, I don't know if I want to call it a rejection because you're collaborating together, but just like to have that level of honesty it's really something that you know everybody strives for but then when you get it sometimes it's really it's not always easy to take and so i think to have that level of you know trust and relationship where it's like okay i don't agree with you but i'm going to try it out and then you kind of come back around or, or vice versa but there's situations you know where you've really pushed for something and they've you know and it's opened up their eyes and you can't you can't do that all the time if you're just always saying oh no this is the, this is the way it has to be this is the way it is all the time then you know if they shot down all of your ideas, that'd be really shitty and kind of, you know, wouldn't make for a great relationship and vice versa. So I think that's, that's kind of what you, stri- in my opinion, that's what you strive for. I mean, cause it is a, it is a collaboration between, you know, you and the team. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I think too, um, it's, it's hard, you know, people don't feel comfortable saying they don't like something you did. And it's, it's hard sometimes to get people to the point where they feel comfortable saying this isn't right. This isn't it. And, you know, I, I, I've had that problem sometimes with clients, you know, just in my day job over the years. And I don't really have that issue with the triple crossing people because we just kind of, we just figured out each other's communication styles and we have that level of comfort. You know, I think though that as a designer, it's been really hard for me, I think to, get to the point where I'm emotionally invested in my work, but not emotionally attached to my work. And I think that that's a really important distinction for designers because, you know, we're not going to get it right every time. We're not going to get it right the first time. And a lot of times it, it is really about that collaborative process that really refines your work and sharpens it and makes something that's really pretty incredible. Um, and I think that, you know, that kind of being willing to, or not willing to, but receptive and open to feedback and other ways of trying something, 
I think really sets apart kind of junior designers from senior designers. But I also think that um, I, I believe that you never really know if something is or isn't going to work until you try it. So I always like to try it and then take a look at it and compare it and say, yeah, you know, this works here, but this doesn't quite work there. You know, this option is a little bit stronger than the previous option. Let's see how we can refine this to make it even more solid. And so I, I think that, I think healthy criticism is great. And I think it helps you as a designer get better at what you do. And I think it ultimately results in better work, but it, you know, it is still tough to hear every now and again, like, Oh, I really don't like this when you're like, Oh man, but I really like that. Yeah. That'll help you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, with people, yeah, I, I don't, I can't say I'm always great with it. It, it doesn't, you know, I, I welcome it, but I'm also at the time. It depends, it depends on where you catch me too. Like I can be in a, super open-minded mode but it's there you catch me on a shitty day and if you're just i feel like you're piling on which is never the intent but it's like oh could have done without that today but but yeah then you know i think it just helps you evolve and you know it's something that especially in your field you, know, you keep that in your toolbox and you know you probably figure a way to bring it back into something else later usually yeah well there's, there's there's usually a spot to say oh you know i tried this you know, a couple of weeks ago and it didn't work there, but what about here? And then I'm like, oh yeah, that clicks, that works. That was a good idea. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Did you work on best kept secret? What is, what is the best kept secret? Oh yeah, that one. So a couple of people have asked me which, what my favorite label is that I've done. And truthfully, I love all my children equally. That's but, not true though. That's not true. You see, I have two kids. I, you tell them at different times, you love them both and you play them against each other. So your label's have to feel like they're on the edge. Like some days there's a favorite. So who's your secret favorite? I think I really do like best kept secret the most just because of the conceptual Like it's just such a strong concept to me that I just really love kind of how I got to where I did with that label. So uh, they told me, they're like, hey, we've got this beer, best kept secret. It's hopped with big secret hops, which are pretty hard to get. And that's what I got. I was like, okay, what is, how do I, like, how do I even begin to design something that's called best kept secret? So like the first thing that popped into my mind was like the Ashley Madison lips and the finger like saying shh and I was like oh god no that's terrible yeah thank you um yeah but <laughs> I was like I'm sorry we have to, we're hanging up now Caitlin gotta go I'm sorry just yeah done man that's why I knew she was full of shit and um, <laughs> yeah no the uh I, I I was racking my brain and uh, you know I started googling secrets like famous secrets and uh, that's a surprisingly dull Google search. And I wasn't really seeing anything that was significant. And then I, I saw this article on cracked or whatever. that was like, you know, the top, you know, 10, you know, famous secrets or whatever. And I was like, okay, whatever. And most of them were boring, but the one that stood out to me was the KFC recipe. They're like, you know, that's under lock and key. And no one really knows what the secret you know, spices and ingredients are. However, many of them are there. I don't know. It's been a while since I've had KFC, but I do love me some chicken. And I have high cholesterol, so I got to stay away. It's stupid. 
Um, you know, yeah, you, you sound much older than me, even though we already discussed our ages. And so, yeah. Don't worry, I look 12. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I was sitting there going, KFC, okay, okay, I have something here. What if I took the recipe for the beer and put it behind the label, but made it look like a redacted CIA document kind of deal. You know, my, um, obviously with all the, the news situation talking about investigations and spies and all that stuff. And my grandma actually used to work for the CIA. And so I, you know, every now and again, stuff like that'll pop into my head. But I was like, okay, make it look redacted and take the recipe and put it behind that beer label and use like a monospace font so that it looks like it's from the 60s or whatever. It's like, you know, we're releasing secret documents on JFK's assassination or whatever. And so I kind of threw that together and I was like, all right, this is awesome. I love this. And that was the, that was one of the beer labels where I sent it to them and they were like, all right, let's finalize this. We're good. That's great. You're like, sweet. This is going to be, this gig's going to be great. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I get those every now and again. Most of the time, they make me work a little harder on that. Yeah, or the yeah, just yeah, we gotta keep her honest. Like, Kim has been crushing it. We gotta we gotta humble her here a little bit. Just say you don't like this next one that comes through, and then say, right, go back That's to exactly the, it. Go back to the original design here. Yeah, the original. And honestly, original. it's probably good. It's probably good that I get my ego knocked down a little bit every now and again. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of a, of a of a friendly hazing every once in a while. It works out well. You have to let the person know that, though, but it works out well. Yeah. Exactly. So so you mentioned before you do like the beer and then the whiskey. So what is your, what are some of your favorites, either you know, in-house or you know, outside? Because like I said, you're in a great spot for, for beer down there, so I'm a little jealous. Oh, there's so many good beers here. Um, I'm actually currently drinking the Waxing Poetic with blackberry and raspberry um, because it is a light beer on this late hour in the evening. Um, I have a fridge full of triple crossing beer because obviously I have to, um, but I pretty much am an equal opportunity beer drinker and there are a lot of breweries around here. So, you know, I used to buy into the veil hype where I'd go and I'd wait in line and get their beer. And I was like, fuck this man, I'm not spending a couple hours in line to get a beer. Um, so, you know, I I'll trade beer every now and again and just so I can sample some different stuff, but you know, I like uh, just local beers. Um, Ardent's really good. Uh, obviously, the Vale makes really good beer, so you have to say the Vale is awesome. Um, Hardywood is kind of the OG of the new, you know, uh, craft brewery scene. You know, Legend Brewery was really the first you know, microbrewery here in town. Um, but Hardywood is kind of what put us on the map in this new age of craft beer, craft beer 2.0. And so their yeah. gingerbread stout is just amazing. Yeah, I was gonna There's say. nothing that tastes better to me or not tastes better, but like, seriously, that is just the holidays in a bottle. Like my yeah. favorite thing to do is to crack that open on Thanksgiving. And that is when the holidays begin for me. It's not, you know, when I eat a turkey or whatever, it's when I crack open a bottle of gingerbread stout over at my mom's and we <laughs> start drinking. Uh, yeah, they're, okay. they're other... the Kentucky Christmas mornings. Another good one. For, yeah, I, I like their stouts a lot. Um, yeah, their stout their stout game is strong. Very, yeah, um, definitely. And that's uh, yeah, I think we're, I think I know, I know who does the labels. So I'm gonna have to reach out to them too. So 
we'll cross that one off the list next pretty soon. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to get a really bad beer in town. I've done it. Uh, but yeah, I think if I, if I go outside of Richmond, um, I like South street brewery in Charlottesville a lot. Uh, I tried, Oh God. Uh, I went to good. What? Uh, I was going to say, what was I going to say? I think I was going to say Oslop. My, my Virginia map is pretty wild. Yeah. 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 They're Northern Virginia. They're great. Uh, they actually did a collaboration with triple crossing, uh, recently called seek and destroy. That was, that was good. Uh, I mean, we have the answer here. So yeah, I like the know, answer. That's, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel bad for you at all. Actually. Yeah. I'm actually getting annoyed. You already told me you said you feel old and you said you're 29 and now you're like rambling off some, yeah. I've been there a couple. I hope I get back there this year, but if not, um, but yeah, it was fun. Um, we interviewed uh, Tim over at the who works for the Vale. Now he's in North Carolina, but that was kind of cool. Then, yeah, Tim. I don't know Tim, um, but my husband uh, used to work with his wife at uh, one of the agencies in town. She, I've met her uh, like a once or twice at a work function, and she was really nice. Yeah, they're good they people. Like down to earth people. Yeah, they moved to North Carolina, so it was kind of cool, but. That was one of the, that was the first one we did in person. We did it in the tap room before hours. And then nice. it went well. And it was, then it was like, you can hear in the interview, like they opened the tap room and just got, got crazy. So yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a cool spot. Yeah. They've been good. I've, they've hooked it up before and I was down there and have to wait in lines. So that was the probably one of my, that was probably one of the first cool, like hookups I got from, I was like, I'm from doing a podcast. I was like, sweet. This is great. I was like, you know. Because I had to get to my flight, and they're like, oh, well, we can hook you up. And I was like, wait, what? So, yeah, AD was very happy. That was awesome. There's a there's a brewery that I discovered uh, at the Juicy Brews Festival that Hop Culture Mag sponsored at Triple Crossing in June, uh, Red Dragon Brewery in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is about 45 minutes north of here. And, oh, man, they had an imperial... I don't even, it was a fruited beer for show and it was, it was sour as well. It was, you know, it's not, it might've been a Goza. I don't know, but at any rate, it was like an 8% or 9% fruited sour beer. And I was just in heaven. It was incredible. Um, that was my favorite beer of that festival, but I'm trying to think, I really do drink a lot of beer that's local to Richmond. Uh, I kind of feel like I have to in some sense. Um, but if I'm not drinking a local beer, my dad actually uh, really likes Abita's um, Andy Gator, which is a, I think it's a Doppelbach or something. It's quite good. It packs a punch. Uh, but I like Victory um, quite a bit. I've had a, a few of their beers and they're, they're in Pennsylvania and uh, I really like their stuff, but uh, you know, Outer Range is great. Um, I had some of their beers at that festival as well. It's kind of hard to, I had a lot of beer at that festival, so it's kind yeah. of hard to remember all. Yeah. Oh, I mean, how can I forget Aslan? Holy yeah. shit! Um, I had their Great White Buffalo at Can Jam a couple of months ago or weeks ago. I don't know time. What is it? Um, it was like a fourteen percent stout. Yeah, their stout. It was yeah, incredible. They, they punched you in the face. Yeah. Yeah, they're good folks over there. I had the pleasure of meeting those guys pretty early on. They've been, yeah, they've been super, super supportive. They're cool. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Rightfully so, yeah. And, uh, and our buddy Mike uh, Van Hall does their labels too. So, 
Yeah, I mean, you, you're just talking about beer. I think we can do a whole other interview just if you talk about what beers you like. I, I, I love it. <laughs> I haven't met very many beers that I don't like. I have had a single Bud Light in my life, and uh, I don't know if that is a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think it probably makes me a huge beer snob, but... Yeah, it's pretty I impressive, was... to be honest. I mean, I've, I can think of a good six to eight years where I was drinking shitty beer. High school and college. I, not that from our recent news, not that people drink in high school, right? I mean, but, you know, just. Um, no, no one. I, I, I like know, beer. I'm actually, starting to say. Do you like I beer? I not drink. I, I like beer. Uh, I still we like, all beer. like beer. Yeah, we still I like beer. A lot of beer. Do you like beer, um, Caitlin? Caitlin, like do you like beer? I do. Right, I do cool. like beer. Um, I, I like to play a lot of drinking games as well. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I haven't heard of any of the ones that he mentioned, but. Yeah, I mean, I know it's gonna, we like to say we're not a political podcast. We do take a little quick right turn once in a while. But why didn't they ask him what the rules were? I want to ask him what the rules were of the game. I mean, that's what my next question would have been. Yeah, I mean, seriously. How do you play? I'd have taken a break. I would have got him all the fucking cups. Right. I'd have been like, let's go. Let's make it, right. set, so set it up. I, I don't care about if he's lying or not. I want to know how to play. Yeah, because that's going to be the most pop. Because, I mean, I haven't found a single human being degenerate person ever who knows how to play that game we, you play some stupid games in college you know and so i would just yeah someone should make it up See, yeah. i would i went to a uh super conservative religious university so my college experience was very very different than i think most people have oh, dude, so yeah. <laughs> we could we could get kicked out if we drank like we could be expelled and obviously yeah um, but i mean i guess I technically we could have we technically could have too i mean we snuck kegs in the dorms but we definitely that would have gotten us expelled oh no i mean they like made you go into aa if they found out that you were in any way involved with any alcohol <laughs> yeah it's like my father when um because he, he i mean if you're listening dad which he, he says he doesn't know how, he calls him the podcast so I, just, I don't think he knows how to figure it out but if you do he would say to me if you know if you ever try the marijuana you know, let me know and we'll get you the help that you need. We're here for you. And I was like, that's, I'm like, dude, that's like, that's not, is that, that, that was your connecting with your son moment. That didn't work out, but yeah, the marijuana, like old people just say that when like they put the, uh, or the in front of it. It's like, okay, the email, can you show me how to use the email? I love it. Yeah. I was like, that's not really like you thought, I know you were proud of that. Like telling me that like, it's okay, but that doesn't make me want to open up to you. I was like, all right. If I ever try the marijuana, I'll be sure to let you know. I, I certainly hope that I can be like a super awkward parent. I'm, I'm pretty good at being a super awkward adult and, and finding myself in very uncomfortable situations, obviously, that I manufacture. Um, but, you know, hope that I can kind of up my game um, oh, and, and really embarrass my kids. It's getting good, yeah. The oldest is eight, and that's kind of like... Oh, it's such like, a good age. With I'm girls. Like yeah, with like girls and stuff. And it's just like, you don't even have to say anything. You're just like, oh, that's your friend. Oh, that's your friend Bridget, Trey, huh? And he's like, dad, she's not my girlfriend, all right? And I'm like, I didn't say anything. Why are you saying that? He's like, uh, he's like in his own head, like it's like spinning around. Uh, no, I, there's a better chance my son Trey listens than my father does. So if I'm, you're listening, sorry, buddy. But anyway. Yeah, he's yeah. He always says he wants to meet him. He wants to be a guest on the podcast. So maybe we'll do that one week. Nice, I mean, it's a pretty good goal. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, considering yeah, we, I mean, every listener we take every listener we can get one by one. And if that means they have to be guests on the show, then we'll you know. So this will be probably episode I don't know eighty four, eighty five. 
So I, I figure I've at least 84, 85 listens is how I looked at, like to look at it. So it works out well. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's uh, 84, 85 more podcast episodes than I've hosted. Well, there you go. There you go. I appreciate that. Yeah, we just we jumped. We started at 81. So we only had really four episodes, but we I, it was a good marketing move. We just started off at episode 81 and just the rest, you know, people. Just, then it gives like an inference that we've done it for a while. I like it. Yeah, that's a good podcast hack right there. Everyone, everyone's scoring at home. Yeah, All right. started season two, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, that used to so great. It's like, oh, this is, welcome to our first episode. This is season two, episode 37. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Remember, oh, folks. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of, you got to keep them guessing, you know? Remember, folks, if you want to check out Caitlin's work, uh, com. Also, Caitlin Myers on Instagram, Triple Crossing is the brewery, triplecrossing.com. Their Instagram page is pretty vibrant and full of colors. You can see that as well. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm really happy for you. It's really, uh, you've been, it's been a great year for you. And it's just uh, excited to see what, uh, what happens next. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I have, I feel like I'd be uh, missing the opportunity to shout out the triple crossing photography crew uh, behind their Instagram. People ask me all the time. They're like, Hey, do you, do you have anything to do with those photos? And I'm like, no and it's awesome i yeah, right. you know give them the label art and stuff and they just like they take it and they run with it and they come up with some amazing stuff yeah I um, agree. scott is one of the co-owners that is uh, married to my coworker, and he's he's usually the guy behind the lens and he's just like always coming up with some really cool shots and i just i love how they just take something that i've done and they make it their own and I, I love the surprise that I get every time I log into Instagram and I'm like, Oh cool. You know, they're releasing this beer this week and look what they did with this label and that kind of thing. So it's, it's really awesome. And they do such a good job. Yeah. I want to find out I don't, I, when you're, whoever does the, the, the smoke machines, like there's that, there's a one photo, I think it's from like August with like the blue and white smoke. And it's just showing like this device to make this. Those are awesome. I mean, I think some, yeah, I think some I, of those uh, photos were inspired by the marijuana, but I'm just, you know, some good ideas were maybe pulled together. You know, this is a family program. Not really, but it sounds good to say that. Um, but yeah, even just the ones like they're cut in half and like the honeycomb on. Yeah. They're just, the photography is, is they, they crush it with that. And I think that's kind of, I like that. Cause I think that's kind of the next phase of, you know, social with beer. It's not just, okay, here's a picture of a beer. Like now it's like, has to like, you know, everyone, everyone's doing it. And so it, even the social media space is uh, hyper competitive. Yeah, I mean it's really pretty crazy. You know, I obviously I creep on them just to see kind of what people are doing and how they're engaging with the content. And obviously, I love to see what people's comments are on the work that I've done. Sometimes I also hate myself for wanting to see what their comments are on the work that I've done. Um, but yeah, it, it's you're human. You're lacking. human. You're human. I know. Uh, they always say, just don't look at the comments section. I'm like, I can't help it. It's just, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, I get, yeah. That's <laughs> one of the only alerts I get on my phone. It's, I mean, I'm okay with that. I love, I just yeah. love, I just love you all out there. Whoever's listening, mom, dad, I love you all. Sue, my wife. We're huge fans. Yeah, we're huge fans. So yeah, I guess get, I get alerts. Sometimes you're having a shitty day. You get a little, little, that's awesome. You know, whatever. I'm not proud of it, <laughs> but yeah, I was, we had a discussion. It was, uh. Nick Dwyer with Beavertown and he was like it was like it was just nice like he just kind of admitted that too like he was like you know what I you know I'm not proud of it but sometimes you know I definitely 
check the likes and what, what people are saying, you know, it, it's, it's human nature, you know, it's kind of, as long as you're open-minded and you seem like to have your shit together. So I think you're fine. One of the funniest thing that's, things that's happened kind of since I started doing all the work, uh, one, I was kind of surprised by, I don't want to say famous cause that's not the right word, but how much uh, exposure this work has gotten. That's kind of surprising to me. But the funny thing is um, the, the people that have commented on it, uh, I was actually at Kava, which is a Mediterranean Chipotle-esque uh, chain that started up in D.C. Um, their branding is fantastic. The, the firm that does their work is Polygraph Creative, and they're just amazing. I love their work. Um, but look at, look at you dropping that name dropping. Think think uh, I, you know, think Kitten's got a, a sponsor. Think Kitten's got a couple yeah, sponsors. Right? He's like, I'm gonna be on this podcast, guys. I'm gonna mention your your Mexican food. I I prefer the number three, <laughs> the burrito. It's very delicious. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Squarespace, make it beautiful. That's what we use. I can't get a fucking people to spot, let me sponsor get sponsored by them, but that's who we use. I, I mean, we should just do some um, fake sponsorships. <laughs> Well, no, I don't want to say like I like them to pay me. Like I mean, you'd be surprised, Caitlin. Podcasts do not pay anything. They don't pay the bills yet. Build it and they will come, right? Like, That's what we're doing. Squarespace. Well, we're, we're, yeah, Squarespace. I've got a bunch of them. So sometimes we'll your mom comes to you and is like, "Hey, I need a website." And then you roll your eyes and you go, "I don't want to deal with this shit." And then you realize Squarespace is nine dollars a month and you don't have to deal with it and it's responsive. It's Squarespace. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier than dealing with your parents. There we go. I like. Do you use how do you use for your site? Do you use Squarespace? No, I actually <laughs> built that. Uh, <laughs> I complain. I actually have a really popular blog post on my website complaining about Squarespace and how terrible they were a few years ago. I built that website using Jekyll, and uh, it's just a static HTML site, pretty much. I just wanted to try learning Jekyll, Jekyll and Liquid because GitHub Pages uses Jekyll and Liquid is templating. Uh, system that Shopify uses, so I figured it might be a good little experiment to to play around with on my own time. Um, but I digress. I was at Kava with my husband, and he was wearing one of the triple crossing shirts that I designed. Uh, I'm going to do a couple of different versions of this one, but it's one that I love. It's the I'm a size large logo yeah. uh, t-shirt. And he was, he was in line next to me and the guy behind the counter who was putting some toppings on my delightful Mediterranean bowl was like, so what do you think of the new logo to my husband? And I just kind of stood there and just listened and didn't say anything. Just, just stood there. And he goes, I kind of like it. I kind of like the new one. I think I, I think I prefer the new one over the old one. <laughs> the guy behind the counter goes, you know, I get what they're doing with their new brand. You know, it's modern. It's clean, like it looks cool. I get it, but like I really liked the old logo. There was just something about it. It just like it's got that nostalgia. It's it's you know it's it's the first thing I remember when I started really liking their beer. And he <laughs> he says a few more things about it, and then uh, you know we kind of talk a little bit about it, and then I just kind of casually bring up the fact that I'm the one who designed a new logo and a handful of the new labels <laughs> and he just kind of the look on his face when I tell him that was it was so funny and he felt like he had just kind of 
laid into the new designs a little bit, which he did not at all. I mean, he provided absolutely fair criticism. And I, and I think, he, you know, it's very valid. There's something to be said for the original brand of anything, right? Uh, and so at any rate, we started talking about it and like, he came over and he was like, so did you do that new Falcon Smash label? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, man, that one was tight. And we go over to, to pay and he's like, it's on me. And I was like, no, man, you don't have to do that. He was like, all right, no, it's on me. So uh, nice. I, I got his information and I need to send him some triple crossing swag. Uh, I'm hoping that we can actually do some throwback stuff. And so I'm going to design some of the throwback stuff and then send him a few goodies. That way he has some of the original logo that he loves so much since he was uh, such a nice guy. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's, you said before the criticism was real. It wasn't just kind of like, Oh, that's, it just sucks. Like it was like, you know, he had a reason for it and that's kind of, you know, cause I think that's the beauty of branding and labels and they spark emotions. Right. And if you have that, that memory that correlates to that, you know, it's something there's maybe there might be nothing you can ever do to, to maybe change that feeling. You know, it's burned into your, you know, into your brain, you know, so it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing to me, um, you know, as a designer who criticizes the work other designers do all the time, you know, like um, on brand new or under consideration, you know, the, any of kind of those design critique situations. Um, Yeah. I have a Slack group with a bunch of my buddies from design school uh, and we, we sit there all day and we're like, oh my God, did you see the new MailChimp design? It is terrible. Um, but at any rate. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, a buddy of mine's the art director in my day job and I you know, would go in there and I'm just like, dude, what is this? Or, or like, I know when he has something he didn't like like that he did and it's like, I'm like, dude, what the hell is this? He's like, that was beyond my control. He's like, I was just basically just the, the tool that was used to, to put out what they wanted. I'm like, all right, I'll let you have that. He's like, yeah. He's like, don't hold it against me. Yeah, that's funny. We've all got those. Yeah. We all have those projects. Which oh, is good, man. though. I think it's nice because I don't think people people don't realize that, that sometimes being a designer, it's not this, like, you know, peace and love hippie nonsense where you just do whatever you want. And then they're like, oh, that's cool, man. Like, sometimes you got to make it something that you don't like, and that's part of it. That's the, that's the brutal part of it. You have to make something for somebody else that's not who you are, and then you're the designer. Yeah, it, yeah. I get it. And if folks at home don't get it, then start listening to all the episodes. Go back. We've got 80 of them. Go enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, design is, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, so many people, I feel like design is, you know, 10% designing and then 90% justifying your existence on the project in some ways. Um, I've I've got a couple of projects that I've been working on recently that I just want to like never work on again for that very reason. It's just, you're an execution monkey and, and people use you because you know the software, not because of your expertise that you bring to the table. And that's, that's often frustrating as a designer. Cause that's not, it's not why you got into this. Um, but you know, preach. it comes with a Amen, sister preach. I hear you, but I think <laughs> it's part of the story. And I think that's probably why you love doing the label so much you do for, for triple, right? It's allows you to kind of get outside your, your day to day and your, your normal comfort zone and just do something different and kind of, you know, roll up your sleeve and do something a little more creative. Not that you don't, you know, you're very passionate about your day job, but it's just kind of, it's cool for you to have that, that outlet that not everybody has. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that I am able to work on this project and that I get to work with triple crossing and that there's such good people. Cause, uh, 
otherwise I, I wouldn't be able to kind of do the fun work that I'm doing with them. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm just, I know that I say this all the time, but I just, I really am super grateful to have had this opportunity and to continue to work with them on, on designing things that are super fun and uh, pretty meaningful to me. So yeah, that's, that's a, it's a great way to kind of wrap up. I have one last question for you. Um, I'm, cu- I'm curious what your answer is going to be here. So uh, we talked about music before and part of my backstory is I used to have a radio show for about 10 years. So I love to know what people are listening to and, if there's certain music that you're that you know that gets you in the the creation mode or that you're listening to, you know, when you're getting your design on, is there you know do you have a certain soundtrack or bands or style of music that you're listening to? Man, I don't. Uh, I am a I'm a music lover. Um, I I grew up singing in choir and then eventually when I was in high school and college I played timpani in the. Um, orchestra and I was principal percussionist in, in college of the orchestra and the wind symphony. And I, I mean, I listen to a lot of stuff and on any given day I can be caught like this morning, for example, I'm a huge ABBA fan. Thanks to my father who gave me ABBA gold um, as a compact disc for you kids out there. It's this uh, round thing that you put in a slot and a laser reads it and it plays music Caitlin, yeah, Caitlin, you're Caitlin, you're not that old. Stop acting like you're an old lady. You're young. Stop hey, it. Hey, I know I haven't used a floppy disk. Come on. <laughs> you you've never used a floppy disk? No, I have. I totally have. You like bought an old hard drive. And it I'm, go, I'm, you, you bought like an old Apple computer just to have the old yeah, you're probably like a hardware geek on that stuff too, which I like. I yeah, wish I, I, I wish I had my I wish I had my original an right. iOS. Go ahead. Sorry. When you're married to an iOS developer, uh, yeah, that's we dude, we have a lot of this was meant hardware. to this was meant to be. I've been wanting to make I have app ideas all the time and they don't they don't get made. So I'm going to bother you and your husband. You're probably going to block my phone number now, but it'll be all right. That's okay. Well, we'll just put you in the queue with my father-in-law's terrible app ideas. My app ideas are pretty good. They are basically it drives me crazy. It was untapped slash a beer menus hybrid and it got made and I wanted to cry. <laughs> That's why we do the podcast. Yeah, I have. My sister was like, "Oh, yeah, n- another one of your ideas that doesn't that doesn't come to fruition." I was like, "Oh, fuck that! I'm going to do this." And so, I mean, isn't isn't that kind of the plague of of a designer though? Like, you're just like, "Oh man, I have this idea and this idea and this idea, and I can only do one of them." And so you tuck them away, and then eventually yeah. somebody else does it, and you're like, "God damn it!" Yeah, oh, yeah. I yeah, I've. That's the thing. I've, I need to find like a group where I can just like tell people ideas and then like have some way that if they make it, I just get like a cut. Like I'm not, I don't be greedy. I don't want like major share. I just want like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I had an idea with, well, I was watching football the other day, but I'm not going to say it out loud because I have like the conspiracy theory part of me. It thinks like, oh, if I have my idea and I say it, then someone takes it, you know, but no, anyway. I, I respect that. Yeah. I'll tell you the crazy idea offline, but. <laughs> uh, okay. Back to music. Um, so this morning, uh, on my way into work, I was listening to Cher's covers of ABBA that she just released. So that was one end of the spectrum. And then this afternoon I was listening to some Robin, um, but I'm, I'm big into indie, but I also have a pretty big soft spot in my heart for classic rock, um, particularly Led Zeppelin. Um, again, I have my dad to thank for that, but, uh, I, you know, I love, uh, Beck's, uh, 
Morning Phase album that was just spectacular. Any any music for me that really kind of combines um, the orchestra with um, band instruments, basically, you know, guitar, drums, et cetera, et cetera. I really dig. I dig Queen. We're getting in the design. Oh my God! Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, huge Queen fan. I and one of my coworkers actually went and saw them touring this year. He went and saw them out in Phoenix, and he was like, "Yeah, it was amazing." Um, uh, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's like I mean, Freddie I, mean I don't know. Queen fronted by American Idol. I don't. I don't really see how it can get any better than that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, but I'm pretty excited for that Queen movie. So oh, whatever. Uh, yeah, he uh, Ram, Rami Malik or whatever his name is for Mr. Robot is Freddie Mercury. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, um, but honestly, it just kind of depends on the, the time and the place that I'm in. Like, I, I got to work on the Richmond Symphony website several years ago, and you know, which is just ancient in, in web history. And uh, it was right after I'd seen the movie Interstellar. And I, I love soundtracks. I mean, I just love them. And um, I just threw on Hans Zimmer's Interstellar soundtrack and basically just pounded that website out. And uh, I, it just, honestly, it really just kind of depends on, on the time and the place. Um, but I, I like a little bit of everything. I'm on cool. Spotify if anybody wants to follow my random weird listening habits. Nice. Um, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes, but, you know, it is what it is. Is that what Interstellar Burst is based off of, or no? Is it just completely a reach? Interstellar Burst is named after a lyric in Radiohead. Interstellar Overdrive? Computer, I think. Like an Interstellar Burst, I believe, is the specific musical phrase, lyric phrase in there. Okay, yeah. Um, They used to have another, I think they had another one. Like, didn't they have a... Something there? Yeah, they had Paranoid Alecoid. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. That That was another Radiohead uh, reference. That was a little more deliberate, but yeah. Yeah, the, the some of their some of their labels are pretty deep cut references to oh uh, Interpol's Marauder that they just dropped. Oh man, that album is so good. Nice, I'll add that to the queue. Yeah, that's this question is the most self serving of the whole podcast. I'll try to make I'll customize your episode with some of the music, but it's just for me to get turned on to new music so this is the bonus question here um actually i actually have two now that you mentioned zeppelin what do you what are your thoughts on the the spirit taurus versus stairway you know case if you go listen to it if you type in taurus like the the uh sign and then the, the spirit it's like they've been suing zeppelin forever over stairway and if you hear it it's pretty it's a bummer it sounds almost exactly the same yeah, I mean, I always hate when that kind of thing happens. Like, that's a terrible song, right? But Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke, when he ripped off, like, it wasn't Marvin Gaye, or maybe it was, I don't remember. But, like, the the thing I go back to is there are only so many chords that are, exist- that are in existence. And so I can understand why songs would sound similar, but a ripoff's a ripoff. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I like because I like a sample. I like when it's done like tastefully, but like, it's uh, yeah, this one's pretty bad. I mean, at least in my opinion, it's it's pretty close. I mean, that that intro is iconic. So the fact that you hear when you hear it, you, yeah, I'll let you 
and folks at home. And then lastly, since you, th- this is my one of my newer questions. Uh, it's just more because I'm curious and I have a weird way of doing it. How do you name your files? Do you have a certain naming convention that you use? Because I know I do, but I was curious. And since you're probably working a lot of version control and stuff like that, do you have a, is it a company way you do it or do you have a personal way you do it? I would just love to know. That's a great question. Uh, that's Thanks. That's like a okay. 2.0 question. It's pretty new. I'll tell you mine. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. For Halloween this year, my office is going as a designer version control. And uh, we're marking ourselves final, you know, like final, 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 based on the date we were hired and employed in the department. That's pretty good. Uh, So we're going to do some really meta shit this year at Halloween. Um, One of my buddies who works at uh, the... Uh, they just rebranded Advent Health um, Hospital System in Florida, which is a pretty big hospital system in Orlando. And or actually, they've got quite a few things in the United States. But he gave me a file naming convention that I have just recently adopted that I really appreciate because he works uh, a lot more collaboratively with designers on his files than I do. You know, my project teams are pretty small. And I think I learned pretty quickly that never call something final because then you're going to have to edit it and, and redo it. Um, but I basically will name my files. I'll do my client, the project name, and then I'll do the date that I started the file and the time. Oh, wow. Time. That's a, that's, a, yeah, time. that's a deep one. Yeah, I'll do the time in a uh, 24-hour format and not 12 i recently tried to adopt uh, military time because i feel like 12 hours repeating is kind of dumb um but i'm having a hard time mapping my brain to it but i digress so i basically i just like save a new i save a new file whenever there's like a significant iteration or whatever and i always know which one's the latest because i know the date and the time that it was saved Okay. So that's pretty that close to me. That's pretty close to mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's cumbersome. It's lengthy. Um, it's kind of annoying, but it's oh, I love it. The it most, helps. Yeah. It's iteration proof in some sense. You know, we're not really at the point with design file version control to where we can work from the same file, say version histories. You know, fast forward or go. You know or go back in time like uh, you can do with GitHub. Yeah, you know, I've tried abstract and it's just, it's not a good solution yet. And I also like, I work in a big company, but the design department is actually fairly small, at least in the Richmond office. And I'm only working with like one or two designers on any given project. And I just don't really have the need for that yet. So largely I can just kind of use my own system that makes me happy. And um, I'm very particular and very organized and structured and uh, I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do client underscore. I, I don't do any spaces. That's my weird thing. I don't like spaces because of. Oh, I don't do spaces either. All right, cool. No. I do underscores. So I do that because it's like an old school HTML thing. So I do client underscore, yeah, because I don't like cause I, the ampersand twenty used to render. Um, client underscore project name. And then what I do, my I usually do my initials in there somewhere. It's just like 
just so I know, I know I made it, especially if it's being shared. And then what else I do? Version. And I always put draft until it's final, just so that folks look at it. They know not to send it to somebody. But that's like a weird. I don't know if they. That makes no, sense. I don't know if they notice that. And then I do the date, but then I do it like European style. So I do day. Like I'll do like today's what October. Yeah. So I would do like O two O C T eighteen, and that's how I do it. Some some version of that. I don't know. I've never I prefer met, the European yeah. date format as well. It just makes sense to start smallest and go to largest. I don't understand. I hate everything about the measurements and metrics and stuff in the United States. It's so dumb. Yeah, I'm not as full. I'm not a full. Um, my wife's a science teacher, so she uses the metric system a lot more than I do. But at least the data, I like that a lot. So yeah, I that's my new like that's my like two my new two point question. I'm pretty happy with it. So I, I think it's really interesting because I. I don't know. I like I like how I name it, and I notice no one else does it, and they can't find any any of their files, and or they'll send it over, and it just has the same name. And I'm like, that's what the last one you sent me was called. Like, isn't this is a different file? What are you doing? Yeah, no, I I we have very very similar uh, naming yeah, structures. Pretty psyched uh, about except that. Except I use dashes instead of underscores, and right, same the premise. only reason I use dashes is because. I want to make sure that when I'm exporting anything, I use dashes because a lot of the times when I'm exporting assets, it's like they need to be web friendly and uh, dashes are parsed better than underscores for image files on the web. So Fair that's enough. literally the only reason I use dashes instead of underscores. And obviously I'm big on consistency, so I just do it everywhere. There you go. Yeah, I use the underscore. Even I think I'll even, yeah, and uh, make sure... I capitalize like yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. We're, we're on yeah, the same, Campbell we're, case. I'm all about that. Yeah, we're on the same. We're on the same page. I just yeah, I can't deal with people having spaces in their file names. It drives me insane. Even though the machines now are much more forgiving, I just it doesn't make it just just bothers me. That's like goes back to like GeoCities though. So it's just a it's, that's. No, I'm with you. All right, cool. Well, let's end it there. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Caitlin. I really appreciate you uh, being a part of this. I really enjoyed speaking with you and. I hopefully we'll be getting down to down to the triangle soon and we can we can have a few of those beers together. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'll see. The waxings don't ship very well cuz they're fruited and they might explode, but uh, I'll get you a shipment. <laughs> yeah, right. That's yeah, that's the it's the new it's a new concern, but we have those are, as I like to say we'll have those in 3D, so I look forward to that. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You're a great guest. You're really easy to talk to, so I'm I hopefully Hopefully it wasn't too weird for you talking about yourself for a while, but uh, you're you're a great guest and really uh, easy to talk to. Yeah, thanks. Huh? This is my first podcast, so there you go. Pretty stoked. Bucket yeah. list, cross it off one by one. We're taking over Hell the world. Yeah. All right. Well, all right, Caitlin. We'll talk soon. I'll let you know when we're gonna go live. Uh, probably in about three to four weeks, give or take. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye bye. And there we have it, the essential, the one and only. Her bucket list crossed off to a podcast with a weird dude in Connecticut about craft beer labels. It's a life moment right there. But we had a great time talking with Caitlin. It was a really you know fun experience. After the interview, she actually sent me an example of how she does her naming conventions, which I absolutely loved. 
She also mentioned Sigur Rós is a great band who I love. It's a great example of what she likes with kind of the rocking elements with the orchestral backings. We featured, you know, Sigur Rós a few times. Found some of these recordings with uh, Queen, who we're listening to right now, ABBA with the you know Royal uh, Philharmonic, uh, which was really awesome to listen to, and couldn't you know couldn't not, which is doesn't sound right grammatically, but uh, not include Interstellar for her. So really tried to customize it, make it really cool. If we had a fourth segment, we'd definitely be adding some Sigur Rós, but we just really uh, appreciate Caitlin making the time, being a part of the crew. She's officially part of the family now. The hazing process is over. You can go check her out on Instagram and her website, Caitlin Mayers and CaitlinMayers.com, respectively. And it was just a, it's just a good experience. I loved learning about people's process, learning about the thought that goes into it, how things are made, you know, where it came from, what they were thinking when they were doing it, what they were listening to. I mean, it's just there's so many cool little facets to that, and we've gotten feedback on people from that. That I really love this. It really helped me with what I was working on, or made me feel that what I was doing was the the right path to go down to, or this was the right process. And so, all in all, it's just been a wonderful experience. Every email, every I would say letter, but I haven't gotten any letters. If you want to send me a letter, that'd be pretty cool. I'd be, I mean, I definitely be kind of open to that idea. I just, I mean, I always hear that when people are saying, "Oh, the emails and letters we get have been great," but I mean, come on, who fucking is getting letters these days? But if you want to send a letter. 16-ounce canvas, six-way Bossage Street, Shelton, Connecticut. That's our home office. You can send that to the care of AJ, you know, the royal we. So with that said, it's been a great experience. I really appreciate everybody. I appreciate you. I appreciate taking the time to listen to this. It's one of our longer episodes, which is always cool. We don't have a set time or format on these things. We kind of just let, you know, Mother Nature take over and, you know, see where things go. And so it's really natural, organic. You know, we do some editing. But really trying to keep the flow of it, you know, the the awkward questions from the host, you know, the interactions, the feedback. It's all it's all real. It's all genuine. It's just uh, it's been a great experience. So I just want to thank everybody once again. We'll be back next week stronger than ever, feeling a little bit better. Uh, the drugs are good. You can take that to mean what you like. There's legal drugs in California, which I learned about, which is cool. Um, I highly recommend those. Um, and we'll leave it at that. The other ones I'm taking right now are not as cool, chloroseptic and other uh, medicines here on the East Coast. But we will leave it at that. This is a family program, and we do not want to talk more about the marijuana. Until next week, folks, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, uh, Caitlin, and thank you to the whole crew. You're all part of the community. You're all part of the fam. And nothing but love. Until next week, talk to you soon. <laughs>